scripture memory verse tonight, Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run to it and are safe. Proverbs 18.10, anybody else? Don't fall on top of each other. Yeah. Go ahead. The name of the Lord is a strong power. <laughs> and the righteous run to it and are safe. Proverbs 18. Good job. Anybody else? <laughs> I didn't even get it memorized. Yeah. I'm going to try, but I might sing it. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Proverbs 18. The name of the Lord is a strong power. The name of the Lord, or Proverbs 18, 10, the name of the Lord to the strong tower, the righteous run to it in our faith. Proverbs 18, 10. Good job. Anybody else? Anybody else? Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth unto, unto it and is safe. Where is it at? Proverbs 18.10. Good job. Anybody else? Good job. Anybody else? Proverbs 18, 10, the name of the Lord, and the strong power, the righteous run to Good job. Anybody else? She's on her head. No. No. Okay, well, let's dig into it a little bit. Um, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Um, name, of course, as a mark or memorial of individuality. That's always the first. I, and, I, and I sometimes don't tell you guys that. But it, it is. When you have a name, it is a mark. It's a memorial or remembrance. We have memorial day coming up this month. Uh, it's also uh, when we do this in remembrance of you with communion, that is a memorial in itself. That's what remembrance means. It means a memorial. So when we take communion, we are having a memorial remembering that the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous have run into and are saved. We're remembering what Jesus has done, his death, burial, and resurrection, and that we've ran to that, and that's where our safety, our help comes from. So that's just a little bit of extra for you. Uh, but name is the authority, the character, the nature, the will. How many times have we talked about that? The name, the name, the name. There's salvation in no other name but in the name of Jesus. Well, it just so happens to be the same name. Jesus is the same name. Listen, now what is the name of the Lord? 
The Lord is the name there is Yehovah or Jehovah. It's the Jewish national name, Yahweh. It is the self-existing one, the eternal God. It's the name that's used just in the Old Testament. Listen, 6,521 times the name of the Lord, Yehovah, is used in um, the Old Testament. Why is that important? Wait a minute, where's first usage? Do I have the first usage? The name of the Lord. Oh, first usage. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2. We're going to look at some first usages tonight. And you really need to know that everything goes back to origins, back to Genesis. It's really a good thought to always have when you're trying to look at the scriptures. But what does 2-4 say? Chapter 2, verse 4 says this. This is the history. This is his story. Because it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jehovah. It's all about his name, his character, his nature, his will, his authority. See, it was his authority and unbelief that Adam and Eve violated, and they did not believe him when he said, you should not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Notice that. We're given the creation. First time that Lord Jehovah, the self-existing one, was used is right here. And I just want you to see this because 6,521 times this name is used. But the first time it's used is in creation. To remind us that God created. So why, that, this, this tells us when we begin to look at his character, his nature, his will, his authority, everything about him. See, some people just want to look at love. He's a God of love. That's all you can look at. Well, wait a minute. If he's a God of love, he's a God of justice. Well, why is that? Because if you come in and you shoot and kill 40 people, and then you go in front of a judge, and he's a loving judge, and he goes, you can go free. It's okay then he's not very just, so it's not very loving at all. There has to be a balance in that love, that when somebody is not receiving that love, there has to be justice. There has to be retribution for just living any way that we want. But see, the world today wants to preach a gospel of just love. Just love. That's it. Just love. Just accept people where they're at and love them. How is that love? If somebody is just walking around the back of the building and they're going to fall in a hole and break their leg, is it love to let them do what they want to do? I've seen, I've just had some roommates that way. Uh, you know, I try to be kind to them, help them out, and just ask me for a place to stay. And then, you know, I didn't get it, I didn't get the same response from them. <laughs> so I said, over they went. <laughs> And that, again, is what God says. So, the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. Why are we Why are we want to focus on that? Because we want to understand that, actually, if you're with us in John, we know that Jesus claimed this name in the New Testament. This is not, this is not something where, where you can just look at it and go, okay, Old Testament, it's poetry. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. No, Jesus literally said, uh, I am come in my Father's name. John 5, 43. Jehovah. 
Jesus actually said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. He, when he claimed to be the I am, the great I am, he claimed to be Jehovah, the self-existing one, the one who created the heavens and the earth. Listen to me. He claimed that. We know he claimed that. And we know the Jews knew what he was claiming because they picked up stones to kill him to say that he was blaspheming the name of God. So we know exactly what he was doing. It's important to understand that anytime you see name, whose name are you following? Whose name are you living for? Whose name, whose character, whose nature, whose will, whose authority are you under? Because the name of the Lord, Jehovah, the self-existing one, is a strong tower. And the righteous run to it and are safe. Because listen, right now in the world, let me, let me, just, let me just throw this out there. We have uh, uh, inflation, sicknesses, war, famine, plagues. We have death. We have pestilence. Where are you going to run? Where are you going for your help? See, because half the world is being set up for the lying signs and wonders to run to the government for help. They're being set up to think that the government is going to be the one that helps them. And that's the same government that's around back burning your house down. And then they're around front on the door going, hi, we're here to help. They are not a strong tower. They are not there to help. Where are you going to run? See, the enemy comes to rob, kill, and destroy. That's all he wants to do. And he wants you to believe that he's going to help you. He wants to believe that that bucket of sin is good. He wants you to believe that everything that he's telling you of the knowledge of good and evil is good. And that he will be there for you. But it's not going to happen. Only the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Uh, that the righteous run into and are saved. The great I am. Look at Exodus 23. How does it apply with where we run? Look at Exodus 23, 20. You know, when God brought the children, see, we, we have uh, examples of who to run to. We have examples of his faithfulness. Uh, and, and I just wrote this down because I wanted to cover it for you. After God's telling them uh, the, the Ten Commandments, he tells them the festivals, the feasts, he's giving them the law. He's telling them how to be sanctified and cleansed. And, and so what happens is, is God took them out of Egypt, away from Pharaoh. He saved them. Because now they're safe. Listen, you might be going through that salvation experience right now. Which is what salvation means. It means a delivery from the sin nature or rescue to safety. You're safely in. You're safe. In, I mean, we'll get to the word safe here in a minute. <laughs> inaccessible is what it means. The main word is it's inaccessible. You're no longer accessible. Uh, because you're safe in the righteous house that you ran to. But look at this, 23 20. Behold, this is what God did to the children of Israel, which is our type, our example, our foundation that tells us how we're supposed to be living now if we believe in Jesus. 
the evidence that would come from, behold, this is what God's saying to him, I send my angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware, there's a warning sign out there on the road, of him and obey his voice. Anybody listening to his voice? Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. Listen, I just want you to get the name. Don't freak out on anything else in the text. I want you to see that God sends his angel before them through the wilderness. Remember, it was a cloud by day and a fire by night. And he said, my name is in him. And that angel was Jesus, a pre-incarnate Jesus. You call it a theophany or a Christophany because Christ always has been. If you look in, in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, and, and as I think of that, I was thinking of this earlier. You know how Jesus comes in John, and he says, I am, and he claims this name of Jehovah? How come Jesus never said, listen, I am the Word. I am God. How come he never said some things that we would go, come on, dude. Remember, they came to him and they said, just tell us if you're him. But he never said that. He said, I am the bread of life. They had the foundation. They had the testimony. They knew what it meant when he said it. I am. Why didn't he just say, I am the Messiah? I am, follow me. He actually did say that to the woman by the well. I am he is what he said, but he meant I am the Messiah of God. But he didn't say it to the religious rulers. He didn't say it to those that were running to the wrong tower. Their own name. They wanted to make a name for themselves. But this is a Christophany. This is Jesus himself. Again, he sends his name before us. Again, uh, uh, for my name is in him. The, the Lord is the Spirit. And what does he do? To, what does he send for us? To teach us to obey, to teach us to follow his voice. He sends the Spirit. I think it's uh, 2 Corinthians 2.13. The Lord is the Spirit. He sends the Spirit before us. And we're following him. We're following his voice. We're listening to the teacher. You don't need anybody to teach you. You have an anointing of your own. And you need to understand that you want to ask the Holy Spirit to direct you through the word, to teach you the word, to get into the word, and to have that relationship. It's not about rock star pastors. Is it great to sit down and listen to a sermon? Yes, they've been given a message from God to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, but you need the word and the Lord of the ministry to go out and do that. You can't go out and save souls by telling them, oh, it's going to be okay. But that's what they want to do. They want to say the government's going to come through. Listen to me. They want to tell you to run someplace else for help. To Mr. Medication. They want you to run to a, to a therapist. They want you to run to places that have nothing to do with the name of the Lord. I like, I like to always tell this, uh, and I call it a story because it's a story. Uh, but there was a young man that was broke down on a bridge 
in uh, Chicago, Michigan, wherever you want it to be. He's broke down, his car won't start, it's freezing cold, and it's about, I don't know, 1925. And all of a sudden, this big long limousine pulls up. And the guy gets out, he takes off his coat, he lays it on the seat. And he comes over and he says, you mind if I take a look at it? And he says, might as well, I can't get it fixed. Go ahead. So he tinkers underneath the hood a little bit. And he says, give it a crank now. And he cranks it over and that car starts right up. And he goes, how'd you do that? He said, I'm Henry Ford. I created this. I know what makes it tick. Listen, this is the instruction book. The creator, his name, his character, his nature, his will, and his authority. Salvation means to be delivered back to safety into his house. If you're in his house, you come underneath his authority. You want to know his will. You want to know who he is. You want to have a relationship with him because he wrote the instruction manual. He spoke your DNA into existence. He knows everything about you. And he knows what you need right this moment. And if it's to be locked out of your house or to be in a battle with something else, if it's to lose your spouse or the death of a loved one, whatever it is, he's going to get us across the finish line. He loves us with a never-ending love. He sent his name, he sent his word to heal the land. You can trust him. You can trust him. Listen, cry out to him. Meet with him. My house should be a house of prayer, should be the most important verse that we understand. We should be meeting with him in prayer. And you know what we do? We rush off in our own strength, in our own name, in our own way. And we only pray when things don't go our way. Instead of meeting with him first and letting him tell you what's going to happen that day. He prepares you for the day. He gives you the scripture for the day. He gives you the word for the day, the strength for the day, the grace for the day. If you meet with him and you give him your first fruits, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Where are you running today? Oh, we're all running somewhere. To and fro. Where are you going? Oh, to and fro. Where are you running at? How are you running? The name of the Lord a strong tower. And, and, and really, strong means force or security, majesty. It means majesty. But it has the connotation of boldness. And, and it is loud. It has the connotation of mighty. If there's power and there's strength in this name. It, it, it's the name above all names. The name of Jesus. God is salvation. A strong tower, uh, it means from its size and its height, it's a castle. It can be a watchtower that, it, that God put into a vineyard, you know, and he expected it to produce grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes instead of the grapes that it was supposed to that would listen to him. It brought forth rebellious people, rebellious children, he says of Israel. Rebellious adults. It also means a fortress, a citadel. Is that how you say that word, citadel? I don't think I've ever used that word in my vocabulary, but it was in uh, 
1828 Merriam-Webster dictionary for portraits because I was trying to understand it a little bit more. But miss, don't miss this. Don't miss this. It's not about the tower. See, the tower, the castle, the fortress, the citadel, that, that's where people run to hide. If you were in a city in that time and the people were coming to attack, you would run in there where all the supplies were at and you'd hide in there. But it's in the name of Jesus that we hide. It's in the name, the character, the nature, the will. It's his name, his mark of individuality that there's nobody like him. This is the memorial that we're looking at. Notice that, that the righteous run to it, not to the tower, to the name. Don't be running to a tower. Don't be running to a building. Nobody's getting saved running to a church building. We are the church. The church should run to the body parts. We should be counseling one another. We're all competent to counsel if we know the word of God. And we all should know the word of God. It should not be like a secular school or college where only the professor and the student teacher know the material because they have the syllabus. We all have Bibles. We all should have the Holy Spirit. 66 books by 40 authors spending time with God, trusting Him, learning what it means that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Well, what is the name? What is His character? Yes, love. Yes, justice. Yes, mercy. Yes, grace. Yes, long-suffering. Boy, I love that one. Because he puts up with this knucklehead for a long time. And I'm like, wow! Oh, I get it! I get it! I get it now! <laughs> and then next week I'll be like, oh, I did it again. Oh, I thought I got it, Lord! Why did you do it again? Why did you let me do it again? I thought I got this, Lord! I'm still a knucklehead. <laughs> it's okay. He knew that when he died for us. It's not an excuse to blow it. <laughs> it's not an excuse. But he's already paid all the wages. Every bit of the wrath of God for us was poured out on Jesus on the cross. Every bit of the wrath that God had for sinners was poured out on his son when he was separated from God and he took the sins of the world upon himself. Every bit of it. Oh, will there be more poured out on sinners who would not receive him? Yes. Because they didn't run to the name that was a strong tower. They ignored that name. They continued to rebel against that name. They didn't care to find it out. Oh, I said a prayer. I'm fine. I get to do whatever I want. That's not the character of my God. That's not the nature of my God. That's not the will of my God. He's delivering me out. He's delivering me from. He's leading me into. He's the door. He's the way out of this world and the way into heaven. He's the way out of my house and into his house. My house is the rebellious house. My heart is the rebellious heart. And he wants to give me a new one. And I have to do it his way. I can't just say a prayer and do it man's way. I can't do it some religious people's way. Look how we, we take these guys, and, and, and I'm not picking on anybody that taught the Bible years ago, 100 years ago. And in fact, you probably should read their stuff before you read anybody that's doing it today. But, uh, but we take them. We have no idea who they are. 
Think about that for a long, hard moment. I have no idea who some of these guys are. I wasn't walking with them. I wasn't living with them. We didn't watch them do anything. And yet we will act like they are the number one authority on the scriptures. Isn't the Holy Spirit still the authority? Isn't the voice of God still the authority? Don't we still have the written Bible? Why do we need to worry about what somebody said 100 years ago when God is speaking today louder than ever before? In the storm. Focus on Him. Look to Him. Learn not to look away like Peter did. Learn to look at Him and stay fixed on Him. Even though the lion signs and wonders are here and here and here, and the storm is here and here and here, He already died and purchased us. We belong to Him. And He's going to protect every one of us and get us across the finish line. But if we run to ourselves and run to our own ways, if we flee for somebody else for help, listen, where are you going? Where are you running? Why would you run from God? Why would you run away from God who's an ever-present helping time of need? Why would we run from His character? Oh, because we don't know it. We don't know His will for our life. Think about it. He says, um, and I've been quoting this one a lot because it's a good one for us in this time of apostasy. Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. 514 of Ephesians. But then what, Greg? I said a prayer. I woke up. Um, no, he says, see then that. There's more afterwards. If, if, if just saying a prayer is, is, is the place you want to be, you're in dire straits in your Christian walk. He says, see then that you now walk. How you're walking, running, if you're getting a good gait going, it's since we're talking about running, walk. It's how you're living. Circumspectly means as, as exactly as possible as you know in the house of God to do the will of God for the glory of God. And he wants us to save souls. Well, how do we save souls? Well, we can't save anybody. But we can have a relationship with God and draw near to God and learn his word and speak the truth to people who are lost and listening to all the lies of the devil, and when they hear it, now they have to make a decision. That right there was true. And I've been following a lie. And you give them every chance for the Holy Spirit to quicken that to their lives and them to come out of darkness into his marvelous light. See then that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise. See, we used to be fools. We used to say no to God. But when you come back into his house and you're awake and he gives you light, you don't keep saying no to God. And you're like, I haven't said no to God. Well, no, you haven't, not like this. But with your actions, all of us do. We need to learn not to say no to God. We need to learn how not to say no to God. He wants to use you. He bought you. You now belong to him. He wants to send you. He wants to fill you with His Spirit. He's given you gifts and talents and abilities. He wants to use them as the body. And not everybody is as good as other people because you have to practice. I was talking about it earlier. You know, the body wants to, that God wants the body, the body life to minister to one another. It's an entire ministry in the Bible, the one another ministry. And not everybody is ambidextrous. So some people are a weak left hand, but they still are in the body, and you have to let that weak left hand do its part. 
I still take my weak left hand to work. Everybody does if you're right-handed. Not everybody's ambidextrous, and it might be your foot. You might kick better or walk better with the lead of a right foot, but that doesn't make the left foot any less valuable. But what do we do? We go hire somebody. Well, we got a weak left foot, so we're going to hire a foot over here. We're going to bring in an evangelist and have a Holy Spirit revival. And I say that tongue-in-cheek because, listen, if you're having a Holy Spirit revival, you need to wake up because the Spirit does not want any attention drawn to it. So how do you have a Holy Spirit revival? When all the Spirit is in the world doing is convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment and pointing and delivering everything that belongs to Jesus. And all Jesus is doing is pointing to the Father. And he came in his name. And that's what we're talking about, is his character, his nature, his will, his authority. And yet the church is following some other Jesus. The church is following some other name. They're following some other program. It's a, it's, it's a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. And, and it shouldn't surprise us if we read our Bible. It's right there in the Bible. It says, hey, there is a time coming where they will not endure sound doctrine. But they will raise up teachers and with their itching ears, they'll raise up teachers that will tickle it for them and tell them what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. I'm not going to that church. Every time I go there, they say something I don't like. And then they run. Where do they run to? They're running from God. Listen, either you're running to God or you're running from God. There's nowhere else to go. Listen, there's nowhere else to go. And when you begin to look at this text, look what it says. Uh, uh, the righteous. <laughs> the righteous. Oh, did I didn't do first usage of tower, did I? What's the first usage of tower? Tower of Babel. See, because God already created his name is already forever. Jehovah. But then somebody started building another tower that they were running to. Another authority, another character, another nature, another will. Well, what somebody said, it's the same devil that, that tricked Adam and Eve in the garden. In unbelief. To run somewhere else. Well, what's the Tower of Babel? You're going to escape judgment. As a young Christian, I used to think that it was all about uh, Nimrod uh, trying to get to heaven some other way. He wanted to build. He didn't want to be with God. He hates God. He's not trying to build a tower to get to heaven. He's trying to build a tower tall enough that he can escape the judgment of God above the water. But God's already said he's not bringing water anymore. He's going to do it with fire. And you can go back and read it. It's in Genesis 11. And, and you know why they said they built it? Hey, guys, come on. Let's build us a tower lest we be scattered all across the earth. You know what happened when they built the tower? God's grace and mercy. The character and the nature of God comes out clearly. You know what he did? He scattered them on purpose so that they wouldn't kill themselves. So that they could have time to wait for the Messiah to come. Because if he'd have left them there with himself, they're going to kill themselves. They can't rule themselves. 
Look around the world. Look how they rule themselves without God. That's, how, that's where the wars and rumors of wars and plagues and pestilence and all of this death comes from. Is man listening to the Antichrist, to the devil, to Satan. So first usage, I'm not even going to go there, but it is with the Tower of Babel. Uh, it's in 11.4 of Genesis. Well, the name, the character, nature, and the will, the uh, mark. Did you guys get that? Mark. A name is a mark. <coughs> Whose name are you running to? Because that's the mark you'll be carrying with you. It's a memorial of individuality. Everybody wants to be individual, don't they? Listen, I'm hidden in Christ. When he appears, my life is going to appear with him. I want to be exactly like him. Now, who, what, why do we need to know this? Because the righteous, the, those that are just, those that are lawful, those that are living right before God, they run, run it into it and are saved. Does anybody get what he's saying here? Because my Bible tells me that there's none righteous, no, not one. See, the only way you can become righteous is run to God. Run to the name above all names. Run to the name of Jesus. That's the only way you can ever become righteous. Old Testament saints, they knew the Messiah was coming. They ran to God. They didn't know his name. We know his name now. They didn't know who he was. They knew Jehovah. They knew to run to Jehovah. They knew to run to, to, to uh, uh, Yeshua, Yahweh. And when you look to obey God, you become righteous. Abraham, the father of righteousness, what happened? He believed God and it was accounted to him as a righteousness. And he became a friend of God. Same thing happens in, with us. Same thing has always happened in the whole world for almost 6,000 years. If you believe God, he accounts it for righteousness. <coughs> if not, in unbelief, he marks you as unrighteous. He marks you like he did Cain. There's only two places to be. Think about it. Once again, um, interesting thing that the first usage, look at Genesis 6, 9, first usage, righteous means just, lawful. Anybody know where it was first used? What's, what's Genesis 6? I know a guy. Genesis 6. I don't have any bookmarks. Tonight, I was uh, doing floors all afternoon. Um, where am I at? 6-9. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Just man. Same word. Perfect in his generations. Well, how could he have been? Pure in his generations. Noah walked with God. That's why. That's why he was running with 
God, not running with the devil, as some heathen band has sang. See, and that's why I, you know, and people get a little irritated at me when I start talking about secular music. Now there's a whole bunch of pastors that still like secular music, and they play in secular bands and all kinds of crazy stuff. Secular music is preaching to your soul. You're not going to be running to the name above all names, listening and singing secular music. Get away from it. Burn the bridges. Be done with it. So that's the first usage there. Um, as God was pronouncing the first judgment. Right? Are you guys with me? But remember this. There's none righteous. No, not one. Now, let's fast forward to the one who looked to God and become a friend of God. And, and God accounted it to him as righteousness when he believed God. What was, what was he doing? Listen, in the first usage of run, guess who it's with? It's with Abraham. When he seen three men up by a tamarisk tree. And he run to them. Because he realized it was the Lord. He realized it was a Christophany, and he ran to them. That's the first uses of the word run in the Bible. Genesis. What did he do? He, he hurried up to find out what God wanted of him. He hurried up to go talk to him. And then he sent a servant to kill a, a, a cow and, and, and to make a meal for them. But then what did he do? Because he was the friend of God, God said... Shouldn't I tell my friend Abraham what I'm getting ready to do? Because I've come down to look at Sodom and Gomorrah. And what did Abraham do? He began to plead. If there's 50 righteous, you won't. The Lord of heaven and earth that created everything would not kill all the people. If there's some righteous in there, you wouldn't punish them all, would you? And he gets all the way down to 10. Remember that? You guys remember this text? You guys, Bereans? And, 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 and God says, I will not destroy if there is ten righteous. There is none walking with God. Oh, yeah. I mean, he has, he is looking to God. He believes in God. But let me get to my point. You're talking about because of Noah, walk with God. Listen to this. So they go down to Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And what happens? Finality, they come out, right? Lot, his wife, his two daughters. Right? What happens? Lot's wife looks back, turns to a pillar of salt. What happens with Lot? He ends up in a cave and his daughters seduce him. And we have the Ammonites and the Moabites because they got drunk. Listen, we still know none righteous. No, not one. Not one. But God led four of them out that was in one family because we, we know the testimony, right, of Lot in the New Testament. God calls him righteous Lot because he looked to God. He believed in God. He was the nephew of Abraham. But his actions were not righteous. But there was a part of that righteousness that he was still walking with God. He wasn't perfect in his ways. But you know when those when the angels came, what did he do? He went out to the city square and said, "Oh no 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 no! Don't do this! Don't do this! Don't come stay at my house." And they said, "Nah." He said, "No." He begged them to come. Turn into my house. 
And so he had this righteousness in him because that he believed in God. It wasn't his. It wasn't because of him. There's none righteous. No, not one. But when you believe God and you walk with God, God accounts you as righteous. That's what he did with Abraham. That's what he did with Noah. That's what he does with Lot. That's what he does with him. He accounts him as righteous. The same way it happens to you and me. When we believe God, that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, he imputes to us his justification. Just as if we never sinned. He places us in a place where we are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he gives us that righteousness. And that's why it says the righteous run to him and are saved. But you can't be righteous unless you run to God. There's no righteousness unless we run to God and believe in God and follow God. And I believe we continue to walk with God. Do you do it perfectly? No. Lot didn't do it even close to perfect. You know what Lot did? His heart was in the world. Lot was choosing the world. Lot is actually, when you go back and teach it in Genesis, there's Abraham and Lot, and Abraham's a type of the spirit, and Lot's a type of the flesh. So it's a fleshly, carnal Christian who is pursuing the things of the world. And they might get into heaven, but they're going to get in smelling like smoke. They're going to get in under fire. Everything that's happened in their life is going to burn up. Lot did not train his children. Lot did not take care of his children. That's why they seduced him, because they were left to the world to learn from. He was too busy sitting at the gates trying to be a leader, trying to be an authority, trying to be in power, trying to be like his uncle, Abraham. But he didn't want to run with God. But because he did believe God, he believed in the God of, uh, of Abraham, the same God that his uncle served, God considered him righteous. So there was some saving faith there. In fact, we're at that point now today in the world where the world has said, shut up, church. That's what they said to Lot. You come in here acting like a judge and telling us, now get away from here or we'll do the same to you. And that's what the spirit of the world is doing now. But God has allowed it. Never, never, ever miss, no matter, no matter what, that God is allowing the things that are going on in your life. God allowed you to lock yourself out of your house. God allowed you to be in the place that you're at. God understands where you're at. God is leading you or trying to get your attention and woo you to come back to him and to follow Him, and to walk with Him, and to believe Him, and to trust Him, and to get rid of your unbelief. Because He loves us with a never-ending love. But because He loves us, He chastises us also. He will chastise those that He loves. Where are you running? Where are you running to? Are you running to the name above all names?
look at um, <coughs> Hebrews chapter 12. You know, Paul, yeah, Hebrews. Paul um, alludes to it to be in a race so many times. I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. Um, it's just my opinion. Doesn't matter because Paul uh, wrote it under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And it's not a mistake that chapter 11 of Hebrews is called the Hall of Faith. It tells us about all the saints that believed God, trusted God, and went before us. It gives us the testimony of what they did, how they believed. And you can read that chapter later as homework if you'd like. But it, but it opens with chapter 12, therefore. Well, what's, what's it there for? All of, all of what he's talked about before is why it's there for. We also, now who's we? It's all of us. You want to know your identity? Look for the you are, the we are. Look for the we, the, 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 the things that put us together. If you want to know your identity, you are, we are. Also, since we, the church, are surrounded, encompassed by so great a cloud of martyrs, witnesses, martyrs, it's one who died for their faith. These all died for, in faith. These all died in faith. Listen, that's why you can just cast out all the faith healers. You can get rid of all the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, people. Because all of these people in the hall of faith believed God and they still died. And if you would have looked at uh, 1140, God having provided something better for us, that's still we, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. We're all going to be made perfect at the same time. When the dead in Christ rise first and then we are alive and remain meet the Lord in the air, and thus we'll be with Him always. We encourage one another with these words. Listen to me. Your body goes into the grave. Your spirit goes to be with God. We're all going to get new bodies at the same time. In the twinkling of an eye. In the twinkling of an eye. So listen, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of martyrs, let us lay aside... Should I talk about cloud? Should I talk about the demonic influences of the world that AI and everything else is stealing? We even have clouds now where we store everything and we're surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses that has demonic stuff in them that keeps track of everything. And we go, oh, this is so great. I got a cloud. No, that's the devil keeping track of everything you've done, taking pictures of you. And he's got everything about you in the cloud. Instead of God protecting you with a cloud, it's the devil invading your life with a cloud. But they mock us. The devil mocks us. And he does everything that he's doing. And you see it better now in the world. But he does everything that he's doing in plain view. And because we don't know the word, we're not listening to the spirit of God. We're not trying to follow the character, the nature, the will, and the authority of God. We miss everything that's right there in front of us. I mean, think about it. When you think about the mediums that they use 
to get stuff to us. They're called mediums. Has anybody ever got this? Mediums. Not largest or smalls, but mediums. No. Mediums. Spirit guides. Mediums. The media that bring the bad news when we're supposed to be talking about good news. They are programming us to listen to them, to follow what they're saying. Here's the talking points. Here's what everybody's doing. Here's what you should like. Here's what you should go after. And then they put it on a channel. And they channel it to you. From a bunch of stars, when we already know the Bible says that a third of the angels, which are called stars, fall from heaven. And we listen to the world instead of listening to God's word. We learn everything about the world. Hey, I want to dress like them, act like them, be like them. That's how we got the first king. Saul. His name means desired. We desired to rule ourselves with a king and not God. Babel, confusion, tower, anybody getting this? It's the same thing over and over and over again. And God's just saying, I love you. Does anybody hear my voice? And obey? I send my angel before you. I put my name in him. My character, my nature, my will, my authority. And if you listen to him, you can be like me. Sanctified, washed, and cleansed, and be conformed into my image once again, which is what salvation is all about in my house. You'll be saved. Inaccessible is what the word means. When we keep our eyes fixed on him. But we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses of people that we see they fell short. They weren't righteous because of themselves. They made mistakes, but they followed God and they trusted God and He trained them. He taught them. He washed them. He He delivered them across the finish line and they will be made perfect, not apart from us, but with us. <clears throat> All of us together. And when I see these people that were normal people, when Elijah had a spirit just like me, Elijah was exactly like you and me. What was the difference? He listened to God. He obeyed God. He followed God. But he has a spirit just like you and I. He was a sinner. He wasn't righteous apart from God. He wasn't righteous apart from running to the name above all names. And he didn't do anything that he didn't. You know what God did with, with, with him? He fed him with a crow. He brought him bread. That's amazing to me. And we sat around going, man, there ain't nothing eating this house. Uh -uh. You mean you don't want to get up on the couch? Is that what you meant? There's nobody to cook it? We're surrounded by these witnesses of people that have crossed the finish line, and we need to understand that it's not in our ability, it's not in our power, it's not our righteousness. It's all about Christ. It's His name. And it's not about whether I'm good enough to do it, it's about whether I believe God can do it. Do I trust Him? Is He mighty enough? Is He the power in my life? Is He who I'm following? Is He who I'm running with? Look what it says. These witnesses. Since we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, let us, that's all of us, that's us, do what? 
lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. It easily ensnares us. But what are the weights? Oh, it's the hobbies. It's everything else. It's a, now, who runs a race with a weight on? Yeah. Some people might do it when they're training. But you're not running a race to win with weights on. You don't, you don't run up. You know, you ever see how they, it all becomes more aerodynamic every year, doesn't it? And they've got these little stands. They come out, these chutes. They've got, they got this, uh, I don't even know what it is. Is it parachute material? What is it? Aerodynamic material that they put on. And it's like they got nothing on. And it's the lightest stuff. There's no weights. Nobody's getting into them blocks going, I can take you, dude. And I got, uh, oh, I got these quarters here. And I got, uh, uh, got my pliers still. And, and I got this, uh, oh, yeah, uh, this is something I've been doing. I've been making this out of this tree in my house. And I got this tree with me. You know, they're not running with all this weight holding them down. You've got to let Christ carry it. If you've got anything, cast it upon the Lord. You cannot carry that weight. Let it go. Surrender it. Lay it down at His feet. Are you listening to me? Because we want to carry these things like we are sufficient of ourselves. We want to carry them like we have some power of our own. We want to carry them, and that's not a godly race. What's the weight that you're carrying around? We haven't even got the sin. You know how you get to the sin? You're carrying the weight. You usually just go, it's no use. i got to just go sin. It just ensnared me. It became a trap because this weight over here that was dragging me down, I wasn't running good anyway. Might as well go sin. Start dealing with the weight the sin has been paid for. What is it you're so interested in that it becomes weight? An idol. Think about it. These things are, I mean, this is pretty simple stuff. But we are too busy to sit down in the Word and say, teach me, Lord. What is the weight? Oh, my goodness. What weight are you carrying today? Why would you carry it? He said, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. Heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. My burden is easy. He'll carry it all. He's already paid it all. He's got all power, all might, all strength. It's a strong tower. His name is the name above all names. We don't have to carry no weight. <coughs> What you got there? I got a wheelbarrow. I got to carry this stuff while I run this race. What's that going to cause me to trip and sin? It's going to easily ensnare me because I've got all this weight I think I got to carry. Listen to me. Lay it down. Lay it down. You've been bought by a price. Now God can do it if you let him. the sin which so easily ensnares us. You know, the real sin is the unbelief. I got a line from mine that's from sin. It says unbelief. I mean, it's what it is. I don't believe that God paid for it all. I don't believe that God took the power of it. I don't believe that God has defeated the devil. 
and that he made me holy, and now I'm holy. It's unbelief. That's how it all started, and that's where it all begins and ends. And that's why we need to let God grow our faith as we run, as we lay aside the weight. But we have to know that we're running. Listen, are we even, as you run, are you even trying to get rid of the weight? Are you even trying to deal with the sin? Or, or did somebody tell you that you're okay because you said a prayer? See, sanctification is getting rid of the weight. Sanctification is stopping stumbling, stopping the sin. It's moving in the right direction. It's running in his house. It's coming to the, the name above all names. And his character, nature, will, his authority, everything about him is giving us grace and mercy and long-suffering and forgiveness. But he's holy. And that's who we are. We're holy because he's holy. Because we belong to him. God doesn't have anything. He doesn't own anything that's not holy. Everything that God has is holy. Because he's holy. So the sin, deal with the sin. What sin? The sin, nature of unbelief. It all goes back to that. No matter what your bent is, no matter what your sin is, no matter what weight you're carrying, it easily ensnares you. The devil knows it easily ensnares you. The devil knows what it is. And he throws the bait right out there and your mind takes it and runs with it and there you go. You're back in it. You're doing it again. It's a, a trip, a trap stick. Trip stick. And let us, it's all of us, listen, we're in this together, people. We're a family. We're in this together, people. The one another ministry is so important. That's why he tries to isolate and decimate. That's why people show up sometimes at church, but not all the time at church. If we understand that there's power in numbers and Jesus is the only one, we all come together as a family to be equipped so we can run this race to win. It's already been won. Look, run with endurance. What are we doing? We're running to Jesus. We're running to the name above all names. But look what he says. Run with endurance, with hoopamony, abiding underneath these things that happen. Why? Because we're letting the Lord carry us. Why? Because godliness and contentment is great gain. Why? Because this is what he tells us. Don't pick it up and carry the weight. It will ensnare you. It's there so you'll cry out to God and ask for wisdom from God and how to be a witness for God and how to grow in your faith because it's going on not there to destroy you. Even if it's there for chastisement, it's not there to destroy you. God is a reconciler. He is reconciling all things to himself, but he's not a forcer. He's not going to force anybody to be reconciled. He pleads with us. We are ambassadors for Christ as if God was pleading through us. I implore you, be reconciled to God. That's the ministry we've been given. We're reconciled. So we're running this race. Listen, don't make up your own race. That's religion. You know how many people make up their own race? Well, I didn't miss church as much as them. Well, I didn't. Uh, I read my Bible more than them. Well, I didn't. I wasn't a Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, I didn't. 
We make up our own race and we make up our own standards and we make up our own stumbling blocks and we go, I'm only going to run this far, this much, this long. Learn to run with endurance. What do you do while you're running this race that's set before you? There's that word set. It's set. It's spiritual, eternal truth. That's what it's set means. It's set. Spiritual, eternal truth. You can't escape it. Boy, you can sure mess it up by doing the wrong thing. I believe God has a plan. He wants you to listen to Him. He bought you for a reason. Verse 2, looking. Where's your, where's your eyes at? Where's your eyes at? On the weight? On the set? No. Looking unto Jesus. They're upward. Why? Because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one that wrote it, and then he came down and walked it out to show us that it could be. And then he said, if you'll just believe that and run to me, you'll be saved. Because that's what the righteous do. They run to me. So when, when things happen, where do you run? Do you run to your pastor? Do you run to the Bible study? Do you run to your telephone? I'll Google it! Do you run? Where do you run? Seriously, it should be our first nature to hit our knees. My house should be a house of prayer. Everything should be the first nature. Lord, what's going on? Lord, how do I deal with this? Lord, what do I... Lord, it should be automatic prayer. Not I should call so-and-so. I should look up so-and-so. I, lo I, I love that the first nature is prayer. Where are you running? To the name that's a strong tower? That the righteous run to it and are saved. Listen, I believe you can run to God. Listen, don't freak out on me. I believe you can run to God and trust Him and then get up and go do something that's abnormal and looks wrong. It's not right. But if God told you to do it, you're going to be blessed by it. It doesn't have to fit everybody else's little Babylonian norms. But they see, that's what we're doing, even in the church. Oh, he's in trouble. Oh, she's in trouble. Oh, she's not doing what I would do. What if they're listening to God? What if they're following God? What if they're running the race that's been set before them? Listen, if you're running the race that's been set before you, and you're running... The name of the Lord, which is a strong power, you're saved. But if you're running somewhere else and you're running to some other tower and you've got some other agenda and you're looking for some other counsel and you're not using the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the truth of God that's been set for your life, oh boy, you just we're running really late, but I'm just going to read really fast. I'll read really, really fast and make about 80 comments, okay? <laughs> so looking unto Jesus, the altar and the finisher of your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Are you in the word of God? Now listen to what he did. Who, this is going to give you exactly what he did. For the joy, oh, it was joy? It was joy that Jesus had? Look. It was the joy that was set. There it is again. This is what he was come to do. This was what he was anointed to do. This is what was set in time to do 
before him, he endured. Uh, what did he just say? Realm of endurance? He endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, the place of power, all authority. And then he says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. Where do you become weary and discouraged? In your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. It's the part of you that is here tangibly, physically, and not walking in the Spirit, living for God and following Him and running the race because we're spirits now. Consider Him. Look to Him. Think forward to Him. That's how he had joy. He knew on the other side of the cross that people could believe and come to salvation. That there would be redemption and reconciliation. Now let me just keep going quickly. I would love for you to, to, to be able to hear it uh, slowly, but we're not going to. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed. How did he resist the uh, uh, bloodshed? Well, you're saying he died on the cross? No, first he won in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he, when, he, when he sweated great drops of blood, hematidrosis, that was the first bloodshed because it was one in the garden on his knees when he said, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. Then he said, set, got up, and he went and bled for us. But the battle was there. But you and I, we've not, we've not strived to resist the bloodshed. Striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to us as sons, daughters, children of God. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son in whom he receives. Listen. Listen. We don't want to be Ill illegitimate children. Don't we want our father to spank our butt when we're wrong? No. <laughs> we woke. Throwing we woke. There's no punishment here. It's just love. Listen, this is the gospel. Just love. Well, just love, you'll go to hell. Don't you want to be corrected? If people say, boy, you're stepping all over my toes, I'm saying, well, I was aiming at your heart. Not your toes. Heart that matters most. He scourges every son whom he receives. Are you kidding me? If you endured chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, everybody in God's family have become partakers of it. That's what he's saying. It's part of it. Then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed a few days chastened us and seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields peaceable fruit of righteousness 
to those who have been trained by it. Now this word here for trained is the same word that's used in training a child in the way he's supposed to go. It means to educate by discipline. It means to train by discipline, to teach, uh, uh, to instruct, and to nurture. That's what we want. I want to be Christ-like. And we should be producing peaceable fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Many people go through chastisement and they run right into their next thing to get chastised again. They don't learn from what's going on. That's why you ask God for wisdom. So you know what's going on. You can grow peaceable fruits of righteousness. You don't make the same mistake again. You don't run back out in the road again to dodge the car. We want Him, the Father of Spirits, to chastise us, to rebuke us, to encourage us, to build us up, to educate us and train us in His College 101 by His teacher, the Holy Spirit, using everything that's been set properly down and time for us so that we can grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. What should we do then? Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. How do we do that? Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. This is, I mean, it's, 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 to me it reads just like a handbook or an Emmanuel, God with us. And he clearly says, looking carefully, looking where? Carefully at God, lest, at Jesus, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. What happens when that happens? A root of bitterness. And a root of bitterness defiles many. We get bitter because life didn't go the way we wanted it. Well, wait a minute. It was all set. And you're supposed to look to God for wisdom. And you're supposed to walk through it. And you're supposed to be a witness of it. And you're supposed to re receive the chastisement. And, and, and let it bring and train you with peaceable fruits of righteousness. So that you will grow thereby. So that in the future you don't go through it again. So people will see a witness of Christ. I can't keep going because he goes on talking about Esau and talking about when Esau finally was ready to repent, there was no place found for repentance. And there's many that will be like that. I'm ready to repent now. Too late. There is a time when it's too late. Look at Pharaoh given ten chances. Too late. Then he let the children of Israel go, but his heart was so hard of unbelief and he thought he was God he was the power what did he do he went after him anyway and God killed him go read God killed Saul the first king God killed him God killed Saul write a book the man God killed here's it Jesus for us. But then he got back up again. If you believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth, you shall be saved. 
because you run to the name above all names. That's where the righteous run, and then they're saved. But man, when we see that amazing grace and we see the depth of that, shouldn't we surrender? Shouldn't we trust Him? Okay, next week, if you guys are ready to go home, safe means uh, to make lofty and to make high. Huh? Well, it's a, it's a strong tower. The tower is exalted. The tower is high. And we're going to become like Him. We're going we're gonna to know His name and we're going to be the light, the little light. And we're going to give people everything that they need because we're going to be conformed into His image. But it means especially inaccessible. Safe. It actually means to exalt, to be excellent, to set on high. That's pretty cool. That He lets us become the trophies of grace that tells others about who He is. Next week, get prepared. We're staying there. Proverbs 19.20. Proverbs 19.20. Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. Listen, this is the latter days. But you have latter days. We don't know how long we're going to live, so we don't know whether we're in our latter days or not. But we do need to always listen to counsel and then receive instruction. You know, the, what is it, 16 or 12 one? He who hates instruction is stupid. Brutish, King James. Next week, Proverbs 19.20. It's 12.1, isn't it? I'm trying to get there. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. I guess I got it a little bit wrong. Um, what did I say, 1920? That was a good year. Listen to counsel, and he's really talking about wise counsel, and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. I, I didn't get to it, but here's a little extra tidbit as we close before we pray. If you look at verse 11, you see where the rich man runs. His strong city, his strong tower. Uh, there's a contrast there. Sometimes there's a one line and then a contrast. Sometimes uh, there's more verses that continue the thought. And in Proverbs 18, 11, it shows that rich men run to their own strong city. It is not the tower. And they're not saved. Because you can't run to your own strength. Where are you running today? Who are you running with? Is it the name above all names? Is it the race that needs endurance? Are you looking unto Jesus? The author and the finisher of our faith. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Lord, thank you for your scriptures, your word that you sent to heal the way. Lord, we believe but help our unbelief. Help us to be washed and sanctified and cleansed. 
things going on, Lord, but we've ran to you, so we know we're safe. We're forever secure in the beloved. Thank you, Lord, for raising up a standard when the enemy rushes in like a flood. Thank you, Lord, that your banner over us is love. We pray, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit and bring people to salvation. Bring them to repentance. True salvation, true safety, so they can be made whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you.